0: December 5th, and happy 29th birthday to my sister. She turns 29 again. I'm so proud of her. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. It's the Damon Bruce Show on the Ploose. We see the Army is starting to assemble. It's growing. Um, Yesterday just happened to be the largest viewed date in the history of this channel. And the fact that that's happening without me doing like live post games of a game that just went final means it's really kicking in. And I thank all of you for that very, very much. Download the Damon Bruce show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, please like, and subscribe. It's great to have you here on YouTube. Uh, it grows, it grows. So today I probably stunted my growth because I came up with a Shohei Ohtani thumbnail. And look, Shohei Ohtani is a big deal, but baseball in comparison to football just isn't the big deal that it used to be, right? I mean, football is king and we all know that. But we got to start today with a little attention being paid to the Shohei Ohtani sweepstakes because it really is – One of the most important stories in sports going on right now. And a lot of people think that we could have conclusion to this story by the end of this week. Um, As if out of nowhere, the Toronto Blue Jays have entered the chat. How about that? The Toronto Blue Jays, by all reports, are making great overtures and possibly inroads to be the team that lands Shohei Otani, the most sought-after free agent in baseball since Alex Rodriguez? I mean, is that fair? It feels about right, right? I mean, this is as big of a name, as big of a draw, as big as a casual fan-leaning forward player that any team could go out there and sign. Otani not only brings a level of excellence to the plate with him or to the mound with him when he is ready to pitch once again, he is a reigning MVP, and he also brings an entire country. Japan comes along with Shohei Ohtani. The riches and spoils that are waiting for the winner of the Ohtani sweepstakes are incredibly significant. We'll talk about how that relates to the Giants in just a minute. But Ohtani told all teams, anyone who was out there listening to Team Ohtani, that when we come talk to you, we don't want to see it in the headlines. We want this done quietly, quietly which, you know, of course, Major League Baseball, which could use any and all offseason attention possible, has this incredibly important story being muted by the man at the center of it. And no one who is about to try to do business with Shohei Otani wants to piss off Team Otani by going public. So, you know, the joke today is, now that this Toronto Blue Jays news is kind of out, like, which GM leaked that? Maybe Farhan is saying the Toronto Blue Jays are interested because they think it could help the Giants' chances. What are the Giants' chances? I don't know. You know, it feels like you got to start with not good just based on the fact Farhan hasn't been able to land anything or anyone significant. It goes back to Farhan. goes back to before Farhan, to totally honest with you. Um, the Giants, though, The Cubs and the Dodgers have been linked to Shohei Otani since he was still in Anaheim as possible landing spots for this galactically significant talent. The Mariners were also a part of early chatter, although I just, that doesn't feel right. Now the Blue Jays? Like, look. Baseball honestly can't afford to have Shohei Otani in Toronto any more than it could afford to have him wasting away in Anaheim. Now, the Blue Jays are a much more competitive outfit than the Anaheim Angels. I'll give them that. I respect the Toronto Blue Jays and the moves that they make and the club that they have and the franchise that is up there. And Toronto, maybe the most underrated city in the hemisphere. Toronto is an awesome town. Great town, beautiful town, clean town, very international, great food, lots of culture. Toronto's a fantastic place, but it's in another country. And that's not what baseball needs. It's not where baseball needs Shohei Otani. They need him in the continental United States playing for a team that moves the needle. And with all due respect to the Toronto Blue Jays, as interesting as they are, as hard as they try... No one could make the argument that the Toronto Blue Jays move the needle in any way. They invoke very little passion of any fan base down in the, you know, the, the continuous 48 states of the continental United States. And it I just, it's a baseball, baseball outpost. It's a baseball outpost. With all due respect, the Toronto Blue Jays are not your game of the week, your Sunday night game of the week but for the fact they might be playing the Yankees or the Red Sox, who are the reason why the Toronto Blue Jays are now being featured in whatever game of the week they are they just happen to be the opponent for some other team that draws a bigger audience with. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I almost, it almost hurts to say this. I would rather Shohei Ohtani be a Yankee or a Red Sox. Notice I, I didn't say Dodgers, okay? I'm not saying I'd rather him be a Dodger, but I'd rather him be a Yankee or a Red Sox than a Toronto Blue Jay. I'd rather him be a Chicago White Sox than a a Toronto Blue Jay, even though you'd be going to the team that matters the least in Chicago by far. You know, as someone who grew up rooting for the Cubs, obviously very interesting if he ends up there. I watch a lot of Cubs baseball. A lot of you probably don't watch as much as I do. And that brings us to the fact that Baseball needs Otani on a team that matters to Major League Baseball, that matters to the casual fan, that will bring in more viewers than any Toronto Blue Jay game could ever deliver. This is why the San Francisco Giants honestly need Shohei Otani more than he needs them. You know, you can actually feel it. I mean, maybe it's just me getting goofy when I say, you know, I can actually feel my YouTube channel growing, like I can physically feel this thing getting bigger. I think you can physically feel the San Francisco Giants getting smaller. And given the fact that they're about to be the last team standing in Major League Baseball in the Bay Area, because the A's, have, we, we know what that is, but um, the fact that there is less interest in the Giants when they're about to have the entire Bay Area to themselves is a It's not good. It's not good. The Giants have this market all to themselves. If they can't capitalize on any and all baseball attention that is still available here in the Bay, I mean, there should be beheadings. Like, with or without Shohei Otani, there should be beheadings if they don't really recapture this market. With Shohei Otani, it's guaranteed. I mean, everyone that kind of turned their back... On the Giants would immediately turn around and pay attention to them once again. Just with Shohei Ohtani, that's how big he is. And when you look at just what this market now represents, you know, ever since, and it's it's unfair to just say it's all Farhan's fault because it's not. He's working within the budgets of the Johnson family. They're the ones who really suck. Um, the Giants are are dying when it comes to local interest they're dying they're the least inspirational team in the bay look the a's are no longer in the conversation let's be completely honest the warriors you know they might not be who they used to be but they just dropped one of the single most interesting rewarding successful decades that this area has ever seen certainly out of the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors have already given it the office, if you know what I mean. You can't expect them to be good forever. That's never available to a team. So the Warriors have done everything that you could ever want a team to do, including building a stadium which changes entertainment options coming to San Francisco for everyone forever. Like the Warriors have checked the box of, boy, you guys matter a lot. The 49ers are sports cocaine. Everyone in this market is addicted, right? I mean, everyone. We are hooked on the Niners right now. They are the bell of the ball, and we will get to plenty of Niners content here in just a little bit. But, man, the Niners are just a monster. The Sharks are hockey, and by definition, no one really cares about hockey one way or the other except the diehards, the casuals. They'll lean in if there's a degree of success there. And right now the Sharks are worse than they were when they were an expansion team. So it's as if the Sharks don't even exist in any daily sports conversation here in the Bay Area. I'm sad to report Cal and Stanford. Let's be honest. Cal and Stanford could cease and desist any and all sports or just totally vanish altogether. And it would take a few months before people even realized it. That's how little they mean to the conversation. So the Giants are going to have the summer all to themselves. What are they going to do with it? Are they going to continue to lose interest? Are they going to continue to lose ratings? Are they going to continue to see attendance drop? Or will they land Shohei Otani and change everything to the point where that place is a nearly nightly sellout again and everyone's leaning forward for this guy's at-bats? Talking about, do you think he's going to pitch later in the year, next year, coming off of Tommy John? I mean, it would just be... There there is no greater investment the San Francisco Giants could make to increase interest outside of cloning 20 years ago Barry Bonds. And even Shohei Otani is going to be more likable than that guy. So let's see what happens. But the single biggest baseball free agent prize among them in our lifetime is available for whoever is able to convince Shohei this is the money you want and this is the situation you want. Giants, they got money to spend. Do they have the situation that Shohei wants? That's a big question. The one advantage that I think the Giants would have in this is Farhan is enough of a daily tinkerer, especially to a pitching rotation, that they could accommodate Otani, the pitcher, when he reemerges as a pitcher. As good as any team in baseball in terms of working around a a five-and-a-half, six-man rotation. I mean, God, they were down to a a man-and-a-half rotation, so they get really creative when they have to. Um, But let's see what happens. Everyone's leaning forward thinking this could be the week we get some conclusion to the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Before we go any further, let's say Ike is doing his job to land Shohei Ohtani. He's offered the man naming rights to his restaurant. What more do you want? If Shohei Otani signs he's not getting a sandwich, he can go on the marquee, according to Ike, getting on TMZ, just jumping all over opportunities to get get, get the, the brand out there. Ike getting his brand out there right here on the plus every day means so much to us. Thank you, Ike, for all the support. Thank you for trying to land Shohei Otani as hard as any. As any. There, there's no sandwich shop in America working harder to land Shohei Otani than Ike's. And uh, you need to go into Ike's and try the sandwich and realize um, they're all freaking delicious and Shohei would be nuts to not take that end of the deal. Download the Ike's Rewards app. Start eating your way towards free sandwiches today. I want to thank Dr. Paul Hughes for being a sponsor here on the Pulse. This man has made my knees younger. He has made me more agile. I can bend down without crying on the inside because my knees are screaming at me. Cellular replacement options as opposed to surgery or what he specializes in. Go to orthopedicsurgeries.com to learn more about Dr. Paul Hughes. His offices are in Burlingame. Everything you need to contact him for a consultation is right there. If you got joint pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, go talk to Dr. Paul. Do it. You'll be happy that you did. Uh, if you are having a pain, gambling your, uh, your 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 heart away in sports or in a casino, And you want an easier place to do that? Go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code Damon when you sign up for a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. They have all the sports, odds, and props that you could ever want and a fully functioning casino. Go check it out yourself, mybookie.ag. And today, I am wearing an Oakland Oaks t-shirt. This awesome logo, this cool t-shirt that you're not going to find anywhere else other than Jax in San Francisco. The brick and mortars on Chestnut Street. If you shop online, it's JaxSF.com you can take care of every single sports fan that you have on your holiday shopping list going to jackssf.com coolest t-shirts you're ever going to see vintage awesome stuff awesome stuff exclusive to jacks use damonbruce10 upon checkout to get 10% off your order there you go we've taken care of the sponsors we've talked about shohei Now, let's get into why most of you are here in the first place, and that's for some of the best Niners coverage. Hopefully, you're going to get anywhere. Let me begin with a final message to Eagles fans, because, boy, have they jumped into chat rooms. Have they jumped into uh, comments and mentions and all sorts of, you know, there, there are some really good Eagles fans who are like, wow, that was a really impressive, you just whipped our butt performance by the 49ers and tip of the cap and... Hopefully, we'll see it down the road. There are other Eagles fans who, who, all of a sudden, had pivoted to. oh, It's just one game. You haven't won anything, as if they're the defending Super Bowl champions, as if they won anything other than the NFC, um, which is impressive. Let's be honest. But you're not Super Bowl champions. Don't act around like you got the belt and everybody wants it. But a lot of Eagles fans do that. There, you know, there's some great fans there, and there's some absolute fucking blowhards. And the blowhards are saying, you know, almost in unison, it's just one game. We'll see you back here in January. Well, here's my final message to Eagles fans coming off that 49ers evisceration of your franchise. You lose in Dallas, you could be the five seed when the playoffs begin. The, it's just a game crowd obviously doesn't know how to do NFL math because NFL math dictates you go down, you lose in Dallas, Dallas keeps winning, and they win the NFC East, you're the wild card. You're the five seed. So that's how much of a just a game it was. That game was devastating to the percentage of chance that the Eagles are assured to be the one seed. They could go from the one seed to the five seed. So that's what that game was. The Lions are to be heard from, the Cowboys are to be heard from, and obviously the 49ers are being heard from like never before right now. But all this all all this all these Eagles fans, you're just oh, it d- doesn't matter just one game, just one game. You obviously don't know what you're talking about. Get your Eagles wings out of your own ass and look around and see how the NFL works. By losing to the 49ers, all of a sudden you have set yourself on a path that can either still be the path to the Super Bowl goes through the link or it could be you're on the road for every playoff game you got coming up. So that's all that was. Mm. And all that was was the sip of the day. That was a good one right there. That one hit. That one absolutely hit. Speaking of getting hit, the 49ers are being clobbered with a level of respect that was unavailable to them at any other point in time this year. But, you know, you beat the team that everybody on the East Coast thinks is the bell of the ball. You start getting attention and the 49ers are getting respect basically like jammed down their throats right now. You look at all the power rankings, all the odds, all the Super Bowl odds, all the MVP odds, all of it is tilting into the favor of the 49ers. Purdy's resume, now that every single NFL team has played 13 games, well, it's through week 13, only the Commanders and Cardinals have bye weeks remaining. This, This week of football beginning Thursday night is the final week of anyone having a bye week, and it's just the Cardinals and the Commanders. They're the only teams that haven't had a bye yet. So everybody is basically right where they need to be in terms of equal amount of football played. And let's be honest, the commanders and cardinals aren't doing anything in terms of going to the postseason. Postseason awards are nothing. There's they're, they're, no one cares. So today I wanted to put together where is Brock's resume? Yeah, everyone's got to update their resume, right? Where is Brock's resume right now? And as I was starting to compile the stats, I happened to see a tweet from the 49ers Web Zone and Brian Rennick put together the list of things that I was looking for. He made my prep an awful lot easier to me. It's like uh, he is the de facto producer of this segment right here because I got this information right off the 49ers Web Zone. Um, could have found it Could have found it somewhere else, but I, you know, why work hard when you can work easy? Uh, Purdy, right now, currently boasts the highest yards per attempt through 12 games in NFL history. Not bad for dink and dunk. Brock Purdy is averaging 9.59 yards per attempt. In 2011, through 12 games, with a minimum of 300 attempts, Aaron Rodgers was at 9.42 in 2004. Peyton Manning was at 9.41 in 1988. Boomer Esiason was at 9.37. And in 1984, Dan Marino was at 9.31. These are yards per attempt. Now, every single one of those quarterbacks, every one of them, Rodgers, Manning, Boomer, and Marino won MVPs in those years that Brock is now outperforming. So when you want to hear, you know, the crowd tell you all these reasons why Brock couldn't be the MVP, shouldn't be the MVP, there is absolutely established precedent that anyone who does what he is doing has won the MVP. It's established if precedent means anything, and it should Every single guy who's played like Brock is playing this year never played better than Brock, and all of them were still MVPs. So there you go. Brock Purdy, talking about updating the resume. Here it is. Before he hits send and he sends it out to what? Uh, wh- 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 where do you send your resumes? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm never going to have to work for anybody again, I hope. So who cares? Um Brock Purdy currently leads all quarterbacks in the following statistics. Passer rating, yards per attempt, yards per completed pass, adjusted adjusted yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, QBR, passer rating success, expected points added per dropback, and total EPA, expected points added. The only two categories he doesn't lead the NFL in right now are passing yards, very impressive it's C.J. Stroud in his rookie year, and passing touchdowns, that's Dak Prescott in Dallas. And those two stats, yards and touchdowns, were deemed not good enough to evaluate who should be MVP. That's why all this advanced metric nonsense was invented in the first place. You know the the passing yards and touchdowns got turned into batting average and rBI in major league baseball. like if you're if you're just talking about those as the stats that matter, there's a whole list of other stats that are oh, no, no no these matter more. Well, in all the stuff that everybody who thinks about football agrees on matters more than just passing yards and touchdowns in the right way to evaluate who's the best quarterback out here. Purdy leads in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 categories that matter more than the two categories that he doesn't lead in. And he is right up there on the list of who is leading in those two categories. Uh, he's got like three, four fewer touchdowns than Dak. He's seventh in the NFL in passing yards, I think. So, I mean, he's right in those conversations, too. Guys, freaking incredible. He's put up un How about the I want I don't want to say he's putting up unprecedented numbers cuz he's putting up numbers that have been preceded by MVP award winners. Every time that they've done it. Now I can already hear Nick Wright. I can already hear Nick Wright saying the following. Brock Purdy's yards And everything he does doesn't matter because it's all these yak yards doing the legwork for all of this statistical accomplishment. Kyle Shanahan draws up his production as much as Brock generates it. Okay, well, let's examine that. A producer for Niners Nation at KP Show produced the following. I thought this was really interesting. If your argument is that Purdy's stats have been padded with yards after catch production and that is the genesis of his success, you're ignoring history. You're completely ignoring history and this should hit Nick Wright right right in the gobholes. Okay? 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards this season have come after the catch. The average yards after catch for the past 10 MVP quarterbacks was 48%. Again, Brock Purdy's at 48.5%. So if 48% of yards after catch was good enough for the last 10 MVP award winners at quarterback, why, why is 48.5% a cannot-go-beyond-it Measurement for Brock Purdy. And again, I can already hear Nick Wright saying, well, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was at 54% last year. 54% of Patrick Mahomes' yardage were yards after catch, more than Brock Purdy's are this year. There is no retreating point for any argument if your argument is being presented as what Brock Purdy isn't. What Brock Purdy is, is historically and measurably about to be the runaway MVP of this league to the border, I mean, to the point where this shit could get unanimous when it's all said and done. Those are the kind of numbers that he's producing. And if you want to say, well, I'm not into numbers and stats, I'm going to go to the naked eye test. You watching these games or not? This guy passes the naked eye test. If you want to ignore all the numbers, and if you want to ignore the naked eye test and just lean into the numbers, the resume equals the 49ers are probably going to win the Super Bowl if he stays healthy. That's what we're looking at. Now, there's a lot of football between now and then. I will always come back to the fact that none of this will ever be easy. Anyone like I even saw a pro football focus, shame on them saying, like, if the 49ers stay healthy, they're easily winning the Super Bowl. There are no easy Super Bowls. It just that that, that does not exist. Does not exist. Okay. So people need to calm down on that just a little bit. But man, this guy's been extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary performer. Naked eye, statistics, advanced stats, measurements, all the things that you think might, you you look at all this, it's going to disqualify Brock Purdy and you're like, oh, he's number one in every single category that really matters in modern football evaluation. So there's no retreating point for those who are standing on the he can't do it hill. They have died on that hill. Their credibility dies with them. Having said all that, it really does feel like the team that wins the Super Bowl might be the last team with a healthy quarterback. Good God. Another quarterback injured on Monday night football. First of all, the Jaguars can't be losing overtime games at home and stay in the contender conversation. I don't care what the record is. You you can't be losing at home in December in overtime against the team that came in with a backup quarterback, who, by the way... um, Jake Browning last night was 32 of 37 for 354 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and he ran for 22 yards in another touchdown. At, at what point would we pivot to the Joe Burrow's just a product of uh, of the situation that he's in? Because the Bengal situation seems pretty damn good, doesn't it? Jake Browning is putting up these numbers? Did you see who came running in for Trevor Lawrence? When he went down with an ankle injury, C.J. Bethard, who, by the way, went nine of 10 for 63 yards in a backup role. If C.J. Bethard starts Sunday at Cleveland, it would be his first start since week 16 of the 2020 season when he was with the 49ers. And he might have to do that because Trevor Lawrence has a high ankle sprain now, the Jaguars are saying that he will return this year. It's not one of those ankle sprains, but it might be bad enough to knock him out of the game coming up against Cleveland, in which case, again, C.J. Bethard is the backup quarterback in Jacksonville. And you look at some of these, these just meat grinder situations that these quarterbacks are in. I mean, it started with week one when Aaron Rodgers went down. And even though Aaron Rodgers is still trying to lead the... NFL and unnecessary attention. He's not coming back. He's out of his mind. Um, Anthony Richardson has been lost to the year. Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson have all been wiped off the map with season-ending injuries. You look at some of these week 14 quarterbacking matchups. This, I mean, these are tough. Got Billy Zappi against Mitch Trubisky. Ugh. C.J. Beathard against Joe Flacco? I mean, are we serious? Gardner Minshew against Browning? Okay. Bryce Young and Jameis Winston? Could be going down like that. Josh Dobbs is a question, right? Going against Aiden O'Connell? These are not sexy quarterbacking matchups. God, just keeping your quarterback healthy is just, Right at the center of any success that you may or may not have when it comes to being a team that contends. Little news in college football today that um, Charlie Baker, who's the new president of the NCAA, has gone on and just proposed a, a, a bold new way to structure and create a new subdivision in football that would allow the richest programs to more directly compensate athletes through educational trust funds and direct name, image, and likeness agreements. Now, what we have here is college's last stand before it has to admit these guys are employees and these are professionals. But it's a new way to think of things, you know, and and it's something that A president of the NCAA couldn't even be dreamed of recommending a decade ago, five years ago. What I would suggest, if I were the czar of college football and they had to obey every school, every team had to obey all my orders, the first order would be no more changes. We're putting a freeze on every single change for about a decade here. There's just way too much movement at all times in college football in terms of conference realignment and television deals and all this stuff like Can we let the dust settle on a massive realignment before we start talking about how to realign it again, how to do things again? One of the suggestions in this new model... Would be that the schools that qualify for the new model under you know operate under their own rules with maybe more restrictive transfer windows and transfer portal policies and ways of compens like basically what we've thought all along could possibly happen where the top sixty five schools just say we're going to go our way we are NFL light the rest of you are James Madison have fun with it. This is the first step towards that. This is the first step towards that happening. Will it happen? Don't know. Don't know. But an interesting proposal, nonetheless. Meanwhile, this Saturday, four Heisman finalists are heading to New York. Uh, It's coming out on Saturday, the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Marvin Harrison Jr., Um, what's interesting about that list is three of the four Heisman finalists are transfers. Historically, LSU has had two Heisman winners. Jaden Daniels would be its third. Oregon has had one Heisman winner. If Bo Nix were to win, he'd be their second. Washington has never had a Heisman winner ever. Michael Penix Jr. would be their first. Ohio State has had 7 Heisman trophies, 6 winners because remember Archie Griffin, Archie Griffin won 2 of them. So, uh, 8 Heisman trophies would be the most of any school of all time. I think that would leave Notre Dame and USC in the rearview mirror. The pendulum swing on the importance of the Heisman Trophy in my lifetime has been dramatic. It's one of the hardest things to understand too in sports. I mean, maybe ESPN killed the interest with a totally unnecessary three-hour-long-takes-too-long-to-get-to-the-10-minute-award-ceremony that should be the Heisman Trophy award ceremony. So maybe that dwarfs some interest in it. But to me, college football, the interest in college football is massive, Yet the interest in the Heisman Trophy winner, I mean, from the 80s through the 90s, you could just rattle off Heisman Trophy winner, Heisman Trophy winner, Heisman Trophy winner over and over and over again. I bet if I walked up to you and said, here's $100, tell me who the last five Heisman Trophy winners were, not a lot of people could do it. Even people who claim to be college football fans, the Heisman Trophy just does not mean what it used to mean. Like, I'm not surprised that Major League Baseball's postseason awards mean less now than ever before because baseball means less now than over before. But college football, you couldn't make that argument. College football means an awful lot in this country, yet the Heisman doesn't feel like it has kept pace with that interest. I don't know why. I can't explain it. So there you go. We're about to hop into Club Plus. We invite you to stick around and join us, but I do want to share with you just some, some good news because the growth of this channel is directly related to you, and I thank you, and this isn't my success. This is our success because this is a true community that comes together day after day after day, Monday through Friday, and on weekends too. And you've been clicking on and watching my videos at a record number to the point where, again, yesterday was the single most viewed day in the history of this channel. I'm not much of a uh, statistical analysis guy when it comes to, uh, you know, how you doing from one quarter to the next. I'm not a business numbers guy. But as someone who's not a business numbers guy, I can tell you that over the last 28 days, this channel's viewership is up over 682%. Uh, I'm I'm not much of a math guy, but even I know up 682% is pretty good. We're over a million views now for this channel. It continues to grow. The podcast continues to grow. And I just wanted to say thank you again to all of you. If you're new in here, please hit like and subscribe. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for being here. You could choose to spend your time in a lot of places on YouTube, but you're coming here. Again, my numbers in comparison to the biggest channels on YouTube, these are all still very humble numbers, nothing to brag about. But man, we're still at our humble beginnings. And I appreciate everyone who has leaned into this. So hit like, hit subscribe. We are at 12. 0.7 thousand subscribers at this point and I thank you also very very much for the like I said a level of growth that I can actually kind of feel I can feel it happening it's not just oh I can see it I can actually feel it getting bigger and I thank all of you very very much for doing that so we're gonna hop into club blues here if you are among the initiated you know how this goes if you're new here it's about to get a little weird it's about to turn into a nightclub but you know nightclub in the middle of the day. Why not? Who else is doing that? I don't know if anybody else is doing it. I don't know if anybody else would even want to do that. But if you're listening on the podcast, this is where we say goodbye and we say thank you and we remind you that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he is gone.